I, I've been, I, I enjoy um, kind of spending time in one book of the Bible because sometimes it's, um, uh, if you've been a Christian for a long time or you grew up in the church and stuff, sometimes you know certain truths, but you don't know why they're true. And when you spend time in specific books of the Bible, I I find for me that it helps me to like really understand a theme and some specific truths and it really helps me to kind of place things and so it's been a blessing to me anyway. I, I, I enjoy that. So we're in 1 John. Very small book. I think there's a little feedback on this. Uh, it's a really small book. You can, you can listen to it on the, those Bible apps in about 15 minutes. So sometimes I listen to it when I'm driving the car, and um, my wife likes to listen to the Bible like while she's sleeping, and I can't handle that. <laughs> so she's had to change her ways. <laughs> yeah, same, same, yeah. Hey, marriage is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, we're all different. Amazing that God uh, puts them together, puts us together, and uh, in all our uniqueness, different strengths that we bring, and so as long as we don't kill each other, it's amazing what God can do in our diversity. Um, First John, to know God and share his love. That's our mission as a church as well, to know God. And John talks a lot about the things that we can know. It's amazing. And um, when you know stuff, you're confident. Yeah? And some of us are um, just naturally kind of confident people. Like, we know stuff, and sometimes we don't really know it, but we think we really know it. Yeah? Anybody like that? You just know everything. Don't raise your hand. And some of us have the other, a different kind of an issue, and we think we know nothing, when in reality, oftentimes we do know something. And I, I kind of... In my life, I've tended to be a little bit more like that. I, and, and we can go back and forth, you know. I'm, we can do both. But um, I, I find that for me, my issue is more that I'm confident in my weakness. You know what I'm saying? I'm, very, I'm not confident except that I'm confident in my weakness. And that's a whole other issue that God has to deal with. In a, sometimes that's a good thing, but sometimes it can be de- detrimental to your life. And um, confidence is important. Confidence is important. Very important thing. Uh, I, I, was, I was actually thinking about speaking of like songwriters and stuff. Um, while I was reading this uh, passage of scripture in 1 John 2, 12 to 17, I... I kept getting this song in my mind. It's, it's actually a hymn from 200 years ago. And I, I, I don't know that the writer of it was thinking, wow, some, 
guy that grew up in Alaska is going to be telling people in a church in Ireland about this song as, as she was writing. It was a lady named Frances Crosby. And uh, she was like, of her time, she was like the Hillsong, Bethel, Chris Tomlin, every great worship leader, team famous nowadays. She was like all of that in one person. Her name was Frances Crosby, and she was blind. She wrote thousands of songs, actually. And one of the songs that um, stuck with me, probably if you're older, you know this song, Blessed Assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Yeah, see? Some people know it. And um, it's a wonderful song. And the words are blessed assurance. Those two words, right? Okay. And assurance is actually like you are confident. I am sure. And um, the first kind of line is blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And uh, she, was, she was singing a song, a truth. She was singing a truth. And it really b- blessed a world. And um, so, anyway, that's just a side note. Blessed assurance. This is, um, uh, in this passage, uh, John's going to share some truths with us that are going to bless our lives. And uh, so, <clears throat> but before I get to that, uh, Heather and I went on a... A date this week. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for babysitters. Yeah, seriously, if you can find a good babysitter, husband and wives, I recommend a date every once in a while when you're able. Even, you know, even if it's a, I saw Subway does a Euro 49 sandwiches now. So even if you just go to a Subway, get a Euro 49, it's not going to cost much. Uh, so we went on a date, and uh, we were sitting there, and I, I, again, I was reading this passage, and, um, and it's kind of sparked a question in me. So I asked Heather, uh, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? And uh, how about you, if you're not 20 years old or younger, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, you know, and so we started reflecting back on when we were 20 and some of the, the, the things that we thought were very big in our lives and kind of stressing us out and kind of were, we were kind of like, they would say, walking around the mountain on this issue. And now, you know, we're, well, I'm 40 and things have changed. Hopefully I've gotten not just older, but wiser. And uh, so we we had a good conversation, but I thought that was a a good question to think about. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? And often, what because often what you would tell your 20-year-old self is also probably what you could tell your 40-year-old self too, just as a reminder. And um, we we need we need the wisdom of experience. Uh, but sometimes we don't really seek it out. It's kind of like our culture doesn't really value that too much. We think that the, the wisdom is, you know, they make the movies and the hero's always either the kid or the gerbil. 
but never the, the dad and the mom or the, you know, the grandpa and the grandma, right? But they have, the, the age has such treasure in it. And so I think it's important for us to um, seek that out. Yeah. So you guys are sitting next to probably wise people that could probably speak wisdom into your life and situations. They're, and sometimes they have gray hairs like I'm starting to get. But, and, and so just seek that out. Um, it's, it's amazing what can, what can happen when you get some wisdom of the aged. Uh, I was talking with my daughter as well, and I was, I was giving her some um, wisdom from experience this week. We were having a hilarious conversation because I asked her to clean something. Oh, isn't it fun, parents? So I, I was having her clean the living room with her brothers, and she's like, Daddy, why do we always have to clean? And I was laughing, oh, my goodness, just wait. You're only getting started. When you become an adult, it gets even worse. You have to clean even more. <laughs> Wisdom for the ages, right? There's, this is uh, the nature of life. Daughter, let me tell you about life. When you become adult, you have to tidy things even more. And, sh- and sh- I was saying, you know, when you become a mommy, you have kids, you're going to clean them. But she's like, Daddy, but what if I become a veterinarian? <laughs> and I was like, I, my brain started going. I'm like, well, vets have to clean the animal stuff then, you know, because they do stuff too, and they have to tidy their shelves and stuff if they're selling stuff. And then she's like, oh, she's thinking then. And she's like, what about if I do, become a fireman? <laughs> and I was like, well, probably they have to clean too. I couldn't think of, I, I think I said like, when they, when they put out the fire, then they have to clean up that big mess, right? And so, the, but she didn't want to hear that. And um, so there's wisdom that we need sometimes, but how many know you don't really always want to hear it, do you? You like to live in uh, your little dreamland of, of life. Um, but there is wisdom that we need, and when we know stuff, and we know stuff about us, and what life is going to be like and who we are, it has a profound effect on how we do live, right? So it's important what you know for how you live. And this is what John is getting to. And do and you remember, so we're talking about John, the, um, the disciple of Jesus. He was the youngest of the disciples when Jesus was um, walking and doing his ministry um, in his 30s. And what's interesting is that usually if you were a teacher and you had disciples, that your disciples were younger than you. And Jesus is a 30-year-old teacher, rabbi, and so his disciples were, can you guess, probably in their 20s. And John was in his likely early 20s. That's, that's my guess, okay? Um, we don't know exactly his age. Uh, and he, in his young years, remember Jesus called him a thun- son of thunder, Jesus gave him a nickname. And we talked about that last week a little bit, that probably he had a strong personality if Jesus called him a son of thunder. And a number of, for a number of reasons we get that. Poor John, you know, his, and Peter, poor disciples. The most read book in all of human history, and they have all these failures written about them. Wouldn't you like to be that disciple? 
just have the whole world know all your weaknesses. And this is John. And, and you know, he, one time he was with Jesus and a town wasn't very hospitable to them. And so he says, Jesus, should we just call down fire on them? And Jesus was like, no, John, come on. You don't have the, the things in mind of God, you know. So John was a strong personality. He, um, he asked, he wanted to be, uh, he wanted a seat of glory in heaven. He didn't mind getting his mom to ask Jesus to give, give him a seat at the right hand of Jesus. And Jesus was like, you don't know what you're asking. So, so he's this strong personality in his 20s as a follower of Jesus. And then Jesus just redirects his life. And we see as he shares in this um, little book that he's, he's kind of adjusted himself. And now he's actually, when he writes this, they say that John was either in his 80s, 90s, or 100s when he's writing this book. And so what he wants to do is he wants to share some wisdom to the community of believers, the followers of Jesus, because they've kind of gotten off track a little bit, forgotten some of the main things that are really important for them. And he really just wants to speak into their lives some wisdom. So how many of you would like some wisdom for your life? As a Christian, as a parent, as a young man, as a young woman. And um, so we're going to look at some of the wisdom that John gives. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 2. And um, why don't I just read it? I, uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to read the passage first and then we'll kind of break, break into it. So First John chapter 2 real quick. One of the last books in the Bible. Okay. He's going to speak to <clears throat> three groups of people, first of all. And then he's going to speak to kind of three areas of temp- temptation in this short passage. So let's look at uh, verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So those are the three groups, children young men and fathers. Then in verse 15, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. All right, that's the word of God that we've read there. And um, so the first group of people that he talks to is all God's children. Will you say all God's children? All God's children. All God's children. And in, in, this, um, in this little book, you find that John, when he speaks, he keeps referring to the ones that are reading this book as little children. And then he goes on and explains it. And so when he talks about children, he's talking about those who are 
the community of faith, believers in Christ, and they are little children. And, um, and what he speaks to them is that little children, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, and you know the Father. Two extremely important truths for the Christian that we have been forgiven. Amen? That changes everything. And that we have a Father in heaven. And that changes everything. And so all our faults and failures that are burdening us, even today, we confess those things to Him. He is faithful and just. And He will forgive us. And so all of a sudden, those burdens that we carry because we failed so many times can be thrown off. And, and forgiveness is an amazing thing that God has forgiven you past, present, future. If you can get that, it can really help your Christian life. God has forgiven you past, present, and future. And so what do you have the hardest time with that truth? For me, I have the hardest time that God forgives me in the future. Yeah? Does that make sense? God, how could you forgive me in the future? Because he died for you. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. He showed you this love. And so then, if he's already forgiven me, then... What's to stop me from just doing whatever I want and going wild and going crazy? What is to stop me is that he has forgiven me and he loves me and he died for sins. And so he doesn't want that for me and it's not the best for me. So it changes things. Do you see what I'm saying? So because God has forgiven me past, present, and future, it doesn't mean I can just do whatever I desire to do in my flesh because I've changed he changes me so just it's just an important truth god has forgiven us and then he's our father and um he has the he has the parental heart and this is why this is why in life church we often talk about christianity being a relationship and not religion because we have a heavenly father it's a personal relationship with the Heavenly Father that cares for you. And um, it's so important that, that God the Father loves you. It's life-changing. So little children, I'm an old man now. <laughs> little children, you, have, you know the Father. So do you, but do you have that blessed assurance that you know the Father? I think, you know, if you're a Christian, you always want that relationship to go more, right? I do. I want my relationship to grow more. But do you know you can actually be confident and have a blessed assurance that you know the Father? Because what Jesus Christ has done for you, it's not out of works. It's not your good deeds. It's not some... You don't have to have some crazy spiritual experience that somebody else had, but you can know Jesus, forgiveness, and then you know the Father, and you can be confident in that. It's an amazing thing. 
So when you have those two things, forgiveness, you are, it's amazing. It's really healing because you can be free of your guilt. Hallelujah. And when you have um, that, those two things, you can no longer be lonely because you have a heavenly father who's with you everywhere you go. He cares about you. When you call on him, he answers you in his time. But he cares for you. And he works things into your life that are for your good. Okay? So that's the first one. The word to all God's children. And all God's children is me. Say me. Me. Okay. The next one. This one is a little bit more exciting. They're all exciting. But... Um, can I just get a hand raise if you are under 40 years old and you're a male? Under 40 years old. Tell the truth, everybody. Okay, I see, I see some untruths going on here. We're going to deal with you later. Raise it up. Will you just stand up for a second because I can't see you. If you're under 40 and you're a man, give it up for these guys. Okay, thank you. Now you can sit down. See, isn't it getting funner already? And, okay, so do you know who the most unlikely people to be in church are? These guys. Isn't it awesome that they're here with us? Come on. It is awesome. Uh, under 40, I'm, I'm 40, Gregory. Gregory's younger than me. Can you believe that? I don't believe it. He's got to be way older than me. <laughs> I love you. Okay, what am I talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about. Young men. To the young men. And, uh, okay, <laughs> this is why I have notes. Okay, let me see. There's a, there's a big attack on, you know, young men in our world. And, um, you know, women had challenges. Women have challenges, had challenges. You know, a big conversation now in our world is um, gender bias and stuff like that, right? So it's a big, it's a big topic, and I understand. And, it, you know, I, I understand where the different parties are coming from. But I think kind of... Um, I, People talk about now as well that they see a shift kind of the other way. You know, there was an extreme kind of um, bias towards women, but now there's kind of, it's shifting a little bit, and there's a, we see a little bit more um, bias towards men and kind of bringing them down and devaluing what they do and what they bring and their strengths. And I, I think it's important to be aware of that. And, um, and God cares about the young men. And, and this is what uh, John says, you are strong. Young men, you are strong. And, and God loves that strength. And we're going to talk about that. Um, uh, in the Bible, <clears throat> in the Bible, it seems like the, there, was, there was just, you were either uh, a child, basically, or you were a man. Now we have what they call adolescence, right? There's not really, in our culture now, there's not really a place where you shift from being a child to a man. Did you know that? There used to be moments where you would actually just change. 
now, who knows? Are you a man? Do you become a man when you start secondary school? Or do you become a man when you're 40? Right? This kind of... And so a lot of young men kind of just keep doing childish things deep into their 40s and then sometimes beyond that, 30s, 40s, whatever, live in childish lives. And, and there's a passage in, in the scripture, when you were a child, you thought like a child, you acted like a child, but when you became a man, you put childish ways behind you. And so this is an amazing thing. Young men, you can put those childish ways behind you because I'm telling you, we need good husbands for our young women. Amen. We do. And a big difference between a, ch- a child and a man is who a man takes responsibility for himself and then he takes responsibility for a wife and then he takes responsibility for a family. Do you see? Super important. And um, so this is the move. So uh, am, I, am I being awkward? Is this an awkward conversation? Oh, it's a good one. It's a good. Yeah, we need men. So video games are okay, but listen, sometimes they're not. Like, they are good. I, I like video games on occasion, but if they take over, that's, that's a problem. You've got to put it away, become a man. Uh, listen, I play video games. For me, I, I, you know, maybe watching TV was my issue in my 20s, spending too much time just relaxing. Oh, yes. And, and there's this shift that has to take place in us. And for me as well, I was thinking about um, in my, if I was to go back now and talk to 20-year-old Noel, there were some things I would say, like one truth that I think would be important for me to hear is, is Noel, you're not a victim. You're not just a victim of other people's decisions about you or the circumstances of your life. You actually have power to make decisions, to move forward, to be courageous, to, you know, step forward into something instead of being afraid that every move could be the wrong move, right? So that was some wisdom. No, you're not a victim. And so John is speaking to um, young men here, and he says, you are strong. The word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. And I love this, that he says that in the past tense. You have overcome the evil one. Because in Christ, you have overcome the evil one. But there's still a fight. Yeah? Ephesians talks about the word of God. Does anybody know what it is? In the armor, the sword. The sword of the spirit. The word of God abides in you. So young men, you need to have the word of God abide in you. In order for you to have that strength, you know, Ephesians, he talks about be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, right? And you do have physical energy as a young man, right? Hallelujah, I'm out of that stage. I keep bringing this up, but I'm 40, so there's a a bit of a transition. 
but I've still got some power too, right? <laughs> but young men, you have strength that older don't have, and just in the natural. And, but the real strength is in the power of his might. And so you've got to get the word of God in you. So how do you do that practically? You can read your Bible. You can play the Bible app. This, and a great place for a young man to get some great wisdom is from Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is actually written specifically for young men. And you could put that, you, there's, I think there's 31 chapters. Am I right, Eric, in Proverbs? 31 chapters. So each day you could read a proverb for a month, you know? And you could keep doing that. Actually, that's what Heather's dad, for years and years and years, he's read a proverb every, every day. And you can get some great wisdom because you have the word of God abiding in you. You, are, you have overcome and you will overcome the evil one. So there, we have overcome. That's the truth about who we are as believers because of Christ, because of the blood of Jesus. We are overcome. Yet, how many know there's still a fight? You've got to fight. Yeah, so that's exciting. Young men, you've got to fight to fight. You've got things before you to move into. It's amazing. God has some amazing stuff, but you've got to be willing sometimes to just make a step and go and move forward and be a man. Say, be a man. All right, next one. Last one of the groups of people. Can you guess? A word to older men. Come on, older men, will you stand with me? If you're 40, 40 and older, stand up with me. Let's give them a hand. Yes. Yes, Martin. <laughs> okay, you can be seated. Isn't that great? Older men, I'm with you now. It's, it is, um, it's very important to honor older men. And sometimes we don't always get this right. We don't always value the, what they have. But they've, they've got stuff in them. And they, because they've been through stuff. And uh, that was, they got some stuff for us. And um, older men, we need it, actually. Even if we don't think we do, see if you can find ways to just give it to us anyway. The wisdom that you have, the, you know, the experience that you have. And be confident that you actually have stuff to give and so maybe you've been very successful in your walk with the Lord and, you know, you've, um, you've raised a family, things have gone good, you have a good marriage, and so maybe you have some wisdom in that area. But maybe some stuff has gone bad and things fell apart. You know what? That's still amazing wisdom that you can bring and that comfort that you've received from God, you can use to bring comfort to us that need it. Okay, but I'm an old man, so I'm supposed to be, I'm telling you that I need it. I do need it too, but um, we, need, we need the older men. We, you guys are a blessing. Somebody said that um, <clears throat> young men are like a sail, and older men are like a rudder. Young men will go really fast straight into the rocks. 
And older men will steer it super straight, but never go anywhere. <laughs> I've, been, I've been there, done that. And so in the church, in the church we got to have both. We need both the, the strength of the young men and the wisdom of the older men. And if we can actually harness both those things, wouldn't it be awesome? Amazing what our church would be, this, the strength that would come to marriages, the raising of kids, the learning how to love our wives in a good way. Some of all of these things, yeah. Ladies, isn't this good? I know I'm not talking to you about you, but this is good, isn't it? This is so good. Okay. Now, so we move from blessed assurance. Now I want to talk about blessed living because he, he shares a few things. Um, so, the, so to the older men, you have known who, who's from the beginning. I'm talking about Christ. So they've known. The men, old men, you know something. Okay. Uh, blessed living. He brings up now in this passage what um, some Bible scholars call the evil trinity. Okay, can you put the next slide up? Let me show you. This is the evil trinity. The evil one, which is Satan, the world, and the flesh. Go back one, yeah. The evil one, the world, and the flesh. These are things that are in opposition to you and to God's work in you. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of, I got to go quick on this one. Um, there, is a, there is a personal enemy that is against you, young men, as you know, all of us. But let's just talk about the young men, you know, and this, this is why he, he, talk, he speaks to them um, that you have overcome the evil one and the word of God abides in you because you have to fight and you have to be, it's important to be aware that there is an enemy against you and a lot of stuff in life, a lot of problems are physical problems. If you um, don't drink any water for a couple of days, you're probably going to feel sick and get a headache. That's probably not the enemy against you. Right? There's physical things that fight against you. You know, there's emotional... If, you know, if, if you have to move house and your bills are not being paid and you've lost your job, that may not be the enemy against you. You feel not being able to sleep at night. That just may be emotional stress from the situation that you're in. And so there, there's, that's true. There are situations. Yet, it's important to be aware that there is an enemy against you and there are spiritual challenges that want to come against you in your life and destroy you and steal, kill and destroy and you know, mess with you. And so it's important to be aware, aware of that um, for your life. So that's what I'm going to say about the evil one. Okay? Sometimes there's spiritual battles. And then in this passage, he says... I, I found this a little bit difficult. I don't know if any of you have been reading First John and find this passage just difficult. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Does that sound pretty? That's pretty hard. How am I supposed to do that? 
But let me just, sh- I want to show you in Genesis 1, 13. This is what it says. Oh no, not Genesis 1, 13. Maybe it's 2, 13. I don't remember the passage of scripture. <laughs> I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> but I'll tell you what it says. Um, God created the world and he said, it is good. Okay. And then in John 3.16, do you know that passage? For God so loved the world that he, he loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Interesting. Now, John is telling us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father. So do you see that it's a... Okay, you're with me now. So when he talks about the world, actually the the Greek word that he uses is cosmos. You hear that. And um, this word can mean a variety of different things. Sometimes it's just referring to our planet, right? The earth the world. We know that. And sometimes, as in John 3.16, it's referring to the people of the world. Like, God so loved the world, that's us. We're included in that because... But in this passage, what he's speaking to is... I'm going to tell you exactly what I wrote down. The world here is the world system of the evil one that is opposed to God. This, the world that he's talking about, is when we live our life and push God out of it. This is the world that he's speaking of. I'm going to live my life, kind of like Eve. I'm going to be like God. I don't need God anymore. I'm going to do what I want to do. Forget him. Forget what he said. So this is when we enter into the world system. And um, we can all live that way. We can all live worldly lives. And when we live worldly lives, all we're doing is pushing God out of it. Because it's not bad. The stuff's not bad. But it can be when we push God out of it. Okay, then the last one is the flesh. And the flesh, the desires of the flesh are in the Bible... There's the difference between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. We're called to live our lives in the desires of the spirit. And uh, the devil and the world are external enemies, but the Bible says that our, one of our biggest problems is not external to us so that we can point our finger at. They made me do it, but the biggest problem in general is actually us. And this is why we need a savior. And so... Um, those are the three things that are against us. Okay. I'm going to just skip everything and go to my ending now. The solution to all that he talks about in this, I I found really interesting. What is the solution to the, the challenges and temptations of the evil one, the world, and the desires of your flesh? 
we, we all actually, we all struggle with temptation. And I think one of, right now, probably one of the biggest um, tools of temptation is this one. Oh, just tap your pocket right now. And we all have one of these phones, right? And, well, maybe not all of us. Some of us don't. God bless you. If you still have the Nokia screen that is indestructible, that phone. But a lot of us have these smartphones, and you can see everything. And he talks about in this passage the lust of the eyes or the desires of the eyes. And, like, we can get all the desires of our eyes. They say that, um, you know, that pictures get clicked on, like, way more than word things on social media, the desires of the eyes. And because we have these and the culture we live in isn't, you know, the Bible talks about this word coveting, desiring what somebody else has. And don't we, like, even in the church, like, we make that as if it's a, a, a value or like a, that's like totally grand to, to covet. I think that's one of our biggest temptations in our world now is, is actually something that God says is not a good idea to desire what somebody else has. But, but we can see everything. I can go and I can look at your house right now on Google. It may be from three years ago, the picture, but I know I can see your back garden. So we can, we can see everything. It's amazing. The lust of the eyes. And so, but we got to overcome temptation. And uh, so temptations can be a variety of things. We all struggle with things. It can, be, it can be alcohol. It can be drugs. It can be pornography. It can be um, food. It can be so many different things. And oftentimes, they're very good things, right? Who thinks food is a good thing? But... If, it, if it's too much, it can become a bad thing, right? And as I was reading this, I was um, really struck by something. Um, the solution, let me just give you my solution. Can you give that last slide? What is the solution? Do everything in relationship with our Father. Okay? Whatever you do, because anything can become an idol or an, a god. That any good thing, can be, that temptation can just grow in your life. And God wants you to enjoy the world he created. But if you take it beyond what he desires for you, then it become, can become a bad thing. So invite him into it. And this was really striking to me. Turn your desires and temptations back toward God. Yeah? I never thought about it in this way before. To turn my desires and temptations and turn those things that I think I just need to get rid of, how can I actually turn those things to become worship of God? All right? So let me give you an example for... I know a number of people have been fasting for 21 days this month. And I was thinking, 
that's almost exactly like what I'm talking about in this. That food is a good thing, but sometimes it overtakes our heart and we think we just, we love it a little bit too much, right? Okay? And so when we fast, actually, if food is a problem for us, we're saying to God, God, how much do you want me to eat? What would bring you glory in my choices of food? You see what I'm saying? And so all of a sudden we're turning this thing that is kind of like a heart issue for us and we're actually turning it toward God. I want to worship you. You're actually my bread. You're my source. And I think, I think that's cool. That was so helpful for me. So I'm just going to throw it out there. Bring God into all your living. Do everything in relationship with the Father. Um, because, let me just reiterate what we've already talked about. You are God's kids. You are forgiven. John says, all this is passing away. The desires of the flesh, you know, one day this is going to be gone. No longer necessary. And I'm not going to probably need the upgrade model either. And so John says, all of those things that you're like striving after actually are going to be disappeared. And then where are you going to be? You're going to be with your father. So don't worry so much about chasing those things. Chase him. And he says, do the will of the father. Do the will of God. Seek the will of God. Turn your desires into and temptations back towards God. Do everything in relationship with your father. So if this week, if you're going to buy a car, say, Father, what is there a car that you want me to, you know, purchase? What's going to bring glory to you, God? If today you're going to go shopping because there's a January sale, hey, was, I was even, we were even thinking about this with our kids, like when we reward them, that we can turn that reward into something that glorifies God because our kids could get a reward and then want to give it to their friend. And th that would be a way of turning their temptations. Let's stand up. Okay, I'm just rambling now. Let's, let's if you would like to raise your hand and we're just going to close in a prayer. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Lord, today, I just want to bless the men. Thank you, God, for the men in Life Church. God, we thank you for your plans and purposes. We pray that you would strengthen them, be the strength for them in their lives and for the, the paths that you have for them. I pray that they would have that blessed assurance and confidence of who they are in you, Lord. And Lord, for every man here, Lord God, I thank you for your word that says that we have overcome the evil one. And those areas of temptation, Lord God, that might be 
holding us back or burdening us, Lord, I pray today that you would bring a supernatural change into our lives, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that uh, there would be a supernatural spiritual shift through some of the practical things I've talked about and that there would be just a a practical, natural um, wisdom that was given today that could be applied to our lives, Lord. I thank you for your word, that it is a blessing. And I thank you for what you're doing, what you're going to do. And thank you for the confidence that we have because of who we are in you. We are forgiven and we know our Father. So we bless your holy name. Amen.